0: Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles, that you're isolated and alone, like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, today I have Justin Bryan with me. Justin and I have started getting to know each other just, you know, from mutual, mutual friends and just he shares so openly. I mean, what he's he's gone through, where he's at, what he's traversing now. Justin is just a source of encouragement, whatever he's, you know, going through and doing. So he's a, a speaker, a life coach. Dude's just awesome, and uh, he's a hockey player too. So <laughs> someday when I when I get to that point, I'll be like Justin, teach me hockey. Because growing up in Southern California, that was not a skill set I gained. So Justin, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. I'm Canadian, so I'm pretty sure most of us play hockey.
0: Yeah, it goes with the territory, right? Yeah. Well, hey, if we could today, can we start off on where are things on the business side for you?
1: Well, on the business side, so I'm a mental health advocate, an inspirational speaker, and a professional executive coach. Well, life coach, basically. With that, you know, I actually kind of put my coaching aside for a little bit to to kind of take care of me, but I still go around and I speak on mental health, addiction, and workplace wellness. I mean, I'm going to start coaching uh, back up again in January. I have the Stronger You Project, which is a 12-week personal development program that I came up with through my experiences from dealing with addiction, dealing with mental health and depression. And I put it into a 12-week program where I help people navigate their life and find a little more clarity and direction on where they want to go. I'm also going to come out with a men's group because I think that's what I kind of want to focus on is, you know, because I, I was very hard on myself and I, I carried that man up stigma around like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, it, it got to my internal dialogue and then we know how that kind of how you talk to yourself and then, you, you know, your thoughts turn into beliefs, your beliefs turn into actions and it kind of goes downhill. So I kind of want to make a men's group starting up in January. But I want to take a little bit of time out for my own mental health because I've had a lot of things happen to me recently in my life and a lot of things, you know, that happened to me previously that led me to 16 years of addiction and like a lifelong battle with depression. And, you know, I just had a baby girl who's, who's, unfortunately, she's in the NICU right now, but she, she's going to be okay. But we are, we're at a Ronald McDonald house in the children's hospital and they're taking very good care of us. So I figured, you know, now's a really good time to take care of my family, my own mental health, and kind of put some other things on the back burner.
0: Yeah. And we had kind of talked about that leading up to this, you know, just, hey, is this a good time for you? And you were like, no, this is where I'm at. And so you're actually being proactive and wanting to share, hey, this is what real life looks like. And so we had some some great dialogue going back and forth, and yeah, I'm excited to to hear from you because it's like, man, what, what we have talked about, I mean, it's just, it's a lot to take on, but you're cognizant of what's going on and where you're at. And I think that's what so many of us lack is that awareness and then what to do about it. So I'm excited to, to talk with you about that today.
1: Yeah, me too. And I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to allow me to share my perspective my story and you know, hopefully, bring some value and give people some insight and hope into better days.
0: Totally. So, can we transition onto the personal side? What's been going on for you recently as far as personal stuff?
1: Well, personally, right now, you know, I have the daughter in the NICU, and you know, before this, a year and a half ago, we, you know, we went through a miscarriage, and we weren't prepared for that. Um, we went in, and and we we actually had one previous, probably. 12 years ago but you know we went into this one and we were just happy that we were pregnant and you know we didn't we didn't expect it and you know i think a lot of people need to I think, maybe realize more that it's very common to have a miscarriage but that wasn't even in our minds so that kind of blew us away and then we got we got pregnant again and then we found out that our baby's gonna have down syndrome and, and we're like okay awesome like we're ready to go but with down syndrome comes complications so 50 percent of babies have heart complications so with our baby girl, she has a hole in the heart, but she also had a web in her, uh, that's called duodenum in her as 10 testing. So two days after she was born, she had to have surgery and she's recovering now. She has a feeding tube and uh, she has a breathing apparatus. And we're waiting to hear on cardiology to see what they kind of next moves are, but she's doing, she's doing pretty good. She's, uh, her name is, her middle name is Lula, which means warrior. We thought that was very fitting because she, she's a fighter. Like, you know, I she honestly, I think I might cry more than her to be honest. <laughs> but, but you know, just in this last year and a half, there I've had so many personal tragedies and tragedies and loss with like you know a cousin overdosing and uh, you know a like stepdad passing away and then. Person close to me committing suicide, just a bunch of things, and I started to get away and shift away from you know my mental health, my hobbies, my my coping mechanisms, the things that got me out of the sixteen years of addiction, the, the things that got me out of that the clinical depression that I was diagnosed with. I started to fall back into the trap of you know I came, I hospitalized myself on January twenty or January fourth, twenty nineteen, with hosp- uh, with suicidality and alcoholism from that day I, i've been sober ever since but you know when you get out of rehab they tell you don't get into anything serious within a year my girlfriend left me when our son was six months because i was drinking it wasn't a good environment to be around and you know six months after i got out of rehab my kids three and a half we end up getting back together one of the hardest things for me to do was be around people because going through depression and alcoholism i like to drink by myself and isolate from all my friends so i got jumped right back into a relationship which is a good we're still together we have another kid now it's amazing but i went against kind of like everything i was told not to do so i got back into that relationship then i went and did a speaking course and then i went and did a life coaching course i'm doing another one but i started volunteering and then i started working full-time as a server you know, and then coaching my kids sports, you know, I got, I got, you know, really deep into everything. And I started to realize, I'm like, okay, is, is, is that because I'm trying to escape from something else? You know, I was told, like, don't get into burnout. And I won't get into burnout. I'm an athlete. You know, I got got this. But you know what, If if you're go, go, go like that, and you don't have a good diet, you know the correlation between gut health, gut health and mental health is extremely valuable and when people don't realize that what you put in your body is essentially fuel and you know 25% of the sugar you put in your body the glucose goes to your brain so if you're putting in bad stuff you know it's it's going to affect your daily your daily work ethic and how you feel about yourself and if you fill yourself with that your mood's going to be affected your energy levels going to be affected and you know i realized that I was doing all these things, but I was and preaching all these things. But I was actually started to neglect myself. Like I was talking to you earlier, this summer I lost probably ten pounds. I was my body was looking good, but I definitely wasn't feeling good because I was eating twice a day, drinking black coffee, trying to be on that go go go. So right now I'm on that. Okay, I'm take a step back. I've learned. I know all this stuff. I've helped people navigate and deal with it i've spoke on it now what do i have to do well you know what i gotta take a step back i gotta get back to those habits you know these little things like daily gratitude you know positive affirmations journaling at night making sure that that diet is on point because i want to be a high performer i want to be a guy that can get up and coach my kid and go to the gym like the gym for me is it's one of my biggest antidepressants when I go to the gym, I put my headphones on. I don't talk to anybody. I'm sorry, it's my time. I put on an audible book or motivational speaking and I journal and I write or I take notes on stuff that I think is valuable for other people or something that I can implement into my life. But to be able to do that, I need to have my game on. Uh, and that's everything from little habits to, you know, especially diet and exercise.
0: Yeah. And, and it's like, Part of what I've been discovering is my diet will impact my sleep, which is part of that whole, you know, like gut brain. I mean, it just impacts everything. You know, if I'm not sleeping well, I want to go towards the stuff that's unhealthy for me. And it just becomes like this vicious cycle of, of, you know, going downhill, which is not at all what you want to do. So I'm trying to climb out of decades of abuse, just not caring, not really being invested in it and now working to climb out of that deficit. So, now exactly what you're talking about is is the way we need to go about it is going after those healthy activities. So, as wow. you're getting back into this like doing your healthy patterns and and behaviors and everything. Like now that you've seen yourself transition out of doing that stuff and now you're going back into it, what if anything would you do differently? to kind of give yourself that safety net to make sure you stay in that going forward. Is there anything like that you would do?
1: Yeah. You know what? It's pay attention to you. I, I, I preach, you got to take care of you first because you know, a lot of people are like, well, we got to take care of this person and then we'll get to me later. But imagine what could, what could you give your spouse if you're only at 50% you're giving a hundred percent of your 50%. And that's what I was doing. You know, or take care of everybody else first. What if you got to yourself? And that's what it, I teach all my clients. Take care of yourself first. And they started doing that because everybody has a hard time doing that, you know, because it's hard when you have to ask yourself those questions you do not want the answer to. Because then once you get the answer, you're not going to like it, but then you got to do something about it. It's harder to do that. So what do you do? You know, you go help somebody else because their problems are easier to help because you can just you can speak and then you don't have to do anything about it. So what if you got yourself to 100% or less, sorry, let's just say 80% or 90%. Well, if you're given 100% of your 80%, you're still doing so much better and sort of realizes that I need to start going back to the little things, things that helped me in the beginning. And what were those kind of things? Well, it was the biggest one I like to tell people is find your why. So I had to go back and think about what is my why now? A lot of people are saying, you got to do it for yourself. You got to do it for yourself. I know as an addict, I know a lot of addicts that couldn't do it for themselves. I can't speak to all of them, but I, some that I personally know and a lot of people, they can't do it for themselves. So what do you do? You find that person to do it for. You know, I was at the, I was at that point where I wanted to take my life because I thought my son deserved a better father. Someone who's going to be there for him, teaching the ways of life. That's not going to miss time because he's drinking and doing drugs. So I made him my why with that. I was like, okay, so I have my why. Um, and I credit finding my why to being listening to guys like uh, Trent Shelton, Inky Johnson, Eric Thomas, Les Brown, like all those guys who had no idea who they were. I do now though, but they all talked about finding your why. And so once I found my why, I had to make my why my anchor. Okay, so this is why I'm going to do things. There's my son. This is why I'm going to do things. So if I get better for him... Oh, I get better for me. And if I get better for me, I can help other people. So what do I have to do? Well, then I had to go to rehab, do these, all these little things. But I tell people, you got to figure out your why, make it your anchor, and then figure out the how. Because the why is the belief, but the how is the action. So it, like I said, it was a little thing, like journaling and gratitude and exercise and diet. But the biggest thing is talk about it. If there's something bothering you, stop you know, putting it down. You know, you know, got There's no shame in talking about it. It's unfortunate that 75% of suicides are men, but men are, I forget what the stat is, like 80% less likely to talk about it. So what I realized is that, you know, you got to talk about it. But then I had to figure out what my three A's were. So I like to tell people about the three A's, which is admit, accept, ask for help. So I had to take a look back and be like, okay, what is my problem? You gotta admit the problem, whatever it is. Okay, well, I'm struggling with my mental health again. What's what's my what else is my problem? Okay, well, I have a bad diet and I, you know, my I have a negative self-talk right now. Uh, I'm not loving myself like I should be, I'm not taking care of myself like I should be. I'm very hard on myself, I'm not giving myself any grace. Okay, well, then it comes to the next part. So I admitted that. Now the next part is the acceptance part. <laughs> now that is the hard part. You know, in the beginning I had to admit that I was depressed and that I was an alcoholic. And I thought I'd accepted that in the beginning, back in the day, but I didn't because I'd stop going to my counseling. I would, or I'd be, I'd have one or I'd have a drink thinking, oh, I can just have one. So then I did accept. Okay. Well, you know what? Yes. Justin, you're a coach. Yes. You know, all these things, but Hey, you're, you're falling back. So accept it that you need to take uh, look back at yourself. I'm like, okay, and I accepted it. Now I got to ask for help. Now I I have a coach myself and then I I partnered with Canadian mental health on a couple things and you know I have people that I can reach out to and instead of bottling it in, just say, hey, you know what? I need a little help with this. Can you point me in the right direction? Give me a little bit of guidance. And then the third thing I like to tell people is uh your self-love, compassion, and your internal dialogue. You got to love the person staring back at you in that minute because I started to get a little hard on myself again. I'm like, Hey, Justin, you got two kids. You got a kid in the NICU like, or well, you should not be struggling, but I'm like taken away from my own struggle. Like, Hey, Hey, it's okay to struggle. And then like, that's when your internal dialogue, you got to have compassion for yourself, right? Just because you shouldn't be struggling doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to struggle, but then that's when your internal dialogue starts to switch. And then you got to look at yourself and like, Hey, That's when that old cliche saying comes in. It's okay to not be okay because it is. And then you got to do something about it. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. I'm taking taking that little step back from, I'm still going to speak. Take that step back till January, get my family situated back home for, and then start that coaching up again.
0: Cool. When you did the exercise, like initially figuring out your why, did your why remain the same? from when you first did it to now or has it changed along the way
1: it it has changed my why to get better was my son right Mm -hmm. he they will my family will always be my why to keep going but my why now is to help people that are struggling like me to help people that turn to addiction to cope that you know they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel my why is to you know speak the word of hope and truth and vulnerability and authenticity and and hopes that they find their way and they don't give up because like I was I ended up becoming an organ I like got milk thistle from my liver and kidney flush because I was preparing my body to die because I the way I looked at myself and other people I'm like someone deserves someone deserves my body parts because I do not and I you know, I, I actually, I cut my wrist a couple times and I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm silly, but I don't want anybody to get to that point. I want them to realize that, you know, you can get better. It is. Yeah. Is it tough? Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah it's tough. Life's life's a journey. You know, uh, what's, uh, have you ever heard, listen to the book, green book by Matthew McConaughey.
0: Mm-mm, not yet.
1: Oh, it's a phenomenal book. He, you gotta get the audible because he narrates it, oh, but he, he talks life's art life's not easy life never has never will be accept it <laughs> but that being said to get out of that feeling you got to do something about it because you know what they say knowledge plus, people said knowledge equals power well it's knowledge plus action equals power what i like to say is hope isn't power but hope plus action equals power you gotta you know gotta make that first step is it you know call a friend is it, you know, it, you can't get out of your room? You know, is it go outside for five minutes? You know, it's little things like that. It doesn't have to be a bad, big, grand. I got to go to appointments every day. Or if you're an addict, you got to go to, you know, AA or something. But it, it's it's little things over time. And I just want to show people that there's light that at the end of the tunnel if you just keep on walking. And so, you know, people who are struggling with mental health or addiction, they essentially are my why
0: now. Awesome, that's super powerful. So, as you're also starting to re-implement your your habits and and get back into those routines, have they changed at all, or are they still the same? And it's just a matter of you know putting them back into place.
1: No, it's just putting them back into place. It's you know, get rid of the late night sweets, you know. Ever since I quit drinking, I got this sugar tooth and you know, like it's kicking that that late night sweets. It's meal prepping. It's, it's getting up, doing things that I'm grateful for, doing my positive affirmations. of thing, you know, what? I am strong. I am powerful. I am kind. I matter. You know, I am a speaker. I am a father. It's, it's affirming those things that you actually are. It's saying, "Hey, look in the mirror. I love you. Freaking love you, man." Like <laughs> it's you know, and people are like, "Well." Cool don't fake it till you make it. You know what? If you have to look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself because you always should no matter what, but if you have to just keep looking in the mirror and tell yourself till you believe it, well, then you got to do that. But it's, it's going and doing the things that you don't want to do and then doing them anyways, because you'll feel way better after it.
0: Yeah. And, and it's awkward and uncomfortable when we're doing new stuff, especially when it's like, I don't know that this is going to work or this isn't something that, you know, I've, I've known anybody else to do. And if you're learning it like vicariously or from like a book, a podcast, a coach, there's, there's always kind of that, well, will this work for me? And you'll never know because some stuff may work for you, Justin, that doesn't work for me. I've got friends that are late evening workouts that I struggle with that because I'm, I'm amped up when then I don't sleep as well. So for me, it's like I get up and I go work out, but it's, it's that awareness of going through the learning process to say, does this fit for me? You know, is this who I want to be and is this what I want to do in order to get to my best place? So I, I, I mean, it's, yeah. it can be really awkward.
1: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. It, that's why when it comes to recovery, there's AA, there's uh, NA, there's smart recovery, there's there's rehab, there's counselors. It's, you got to find what, what works for you, right? I know AA didn't wasn't my thing. Rehab, you know, it helped me out a lot. But it, 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 you're right. It's, it's finding out what works for you. And I, what you said is, who do you want to be? That reminded me of the four questions I came up with. And I wrote them down last night. Is what is your why? Who do you want to be? Why do you want to do it? How are you going to get there? So those were questions I asked myself all the time. And I got away from that. So who do you want? To, what's my why? Well, my why are people that are struggling. Who do I want to be? Well, I want to be an impactful life coach and an inspirational speaker. But why do I want to do it? Because I don't want people to suffer like I did. I want them to find their worth and know that there's nobody in this world that can give them their worth but them. And there's nobody that can take it away. And well, and how am I going to do that? Well, it's by sticking to a simple, small habits and keep going and stopping comparing myself. So I had to get back to those four questions and it's just, it's stuff I know. And it's the little things and paying attention to those.
0: Hi, coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the living fearless today podcast, man. If you're struggling with your worth feeling, you're not enough and playing small, Honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. And those comparison and and self-imposed expectations that we've usually inherited from somebody else like we'll will adopt them from somebody else and then take ownership those those can really undermine us and so like you're going through this exercise and going who do I want to be and mm-hmm. I think that's so Vital to be in touch with and just aware of. Okay, is this really what I want? And is this something that somebody else is telling me I need to be, rather than something I need to be? So, as you went through that exercise, did you then talk it through with with Renee, just to say, "Hey, is this in alignment with you, where we're going, and what you see for our family?" Or were you just doing this, and then it's kind of like kept just in your head or on paper by yourself?
1: Well, this is uh this is somebody that I've wanted to be since uh, before we even got back together. It was just a f- reaffirming it. It okay. was bringing it back uh, bringing it back to life. Because it kind of kind of died a little bit. So it's reaffirming it, and getting it back to the forefront of like, hey, you're not being who you want to be.
0: Yeah. And so, can we jump back to like, how did you get to where you were and, and kind of like the journey that you've talked about going, you know, going through the depression and the addiction to go through rehab and, and walk through that. Can we, can we jump back to kind of where things began and progressed through?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, growing up, I, I was smaller. I was kind of, weaker than all my friends i hit puberty till grade 11 so i kind of had a girly voice you know my my sister said i moved away in grade 10 i talked like this when i got back after the summer grade 11 i talked like this so she likes to make fun of me that way but and i call my friend and his mom would answer and be like hey kelvin it's either justin or a girl on the phone so <laughs> <it was> <laughs> brutal <laughs> Yeah, it was. It, it is what it is. But I always, I grew up, always wanted to be someone else. You know, I still had, I had good friends, uh, but I was behind my friends in sports. Um, wasn't as big as people. I was really, I looking back on it, like I was really hard on myself. Like I had a lot of people that liked me. Uh, I was a funny guy, but I made fun of myself a lot. And I think you know, it's good to make fun of yourself sometimes. You shouldn't be able. To, if you can't make fun of yourself, you shouldn't be able to make fun of anybody when you start to believe the things that you say about yourself, that's when you really start to get into trouble, right? Like I would make fun of myself to make other people laugh, but I compare myself. I started the comparison game way back early when I was young and I always wanted to be other people. And then I moved away for hockey and, you know, I found alcohol. And when I found alcohol, I found that fake confidence. Right away, I became an alcoholic. I didn't really drink much in high school, maybe a handful of times. I'd be that guy that took a four-pack of coolers to the party and some solo cups, so no one would see me drinking that. And then I would give two away because I'm gone after two of them. <laughs> so I didn't really drink much in high school. But when I moved away from hockey, I found alcohol more. And who it made me think I was in the false confidence that it gave me, I kind of just started my downward spiral from there. By 21, I was... It's probably a full-blown alcoholic. I moved to Vancouver, bartender, bartending downtown. And at 24 years old, I kind of graduated to drug use, to cocaine use. I still remember where I was walking. I looked up and I'm like, man, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, no, there's no way. I'm too smart for that. I'm not." A, and I started to correlate, okay, well, alcoholics are low So They're guys that can't pay their bills. So at 24 years old, that, that's how, that's my thought process. Mm -hmm. but I I was like, I have alcohol to make me feel good, but then I also have cocaine to make me feel even better. So now I have those two vices right there. Six months later, I moved back home. So I'm an alcoholic and I'm a drug addict, kind of not realizing it, but I I kind of knew. I I knew deep down, um, I I knew, but I, I started having this conversation on depression with a friend of mine and I looked at him. You know what, man? Depression is for the weak. It's an excuse. You need to man up. You need to go to work. You need to pay your bills. And I still remember where we were. Still remember we were driving. Still remember the conversation. And I said it because I wanted to be a man, and I wanted to look. I looked up to this guy, and I just wanted him to think, oh, think highly of me, because I thought so lowly of myself. So, twenty-four years old, I. Thought depression was for the weak and I had to man up, and that alcoholism, drug use was for low lives if you're an addict. Those were my two biggest problems. I was diagnosed with clinical depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, um, and I was a drug and alcohol addict. 24 years old, those problems, I threw them away, and I just went on this downward spiral of drinking and using. And no crashing vehicles and losing friends and losing jobs to where, I got a girl pregnant and she had to leave me with our son. I went to rehab before he was went for the wrong reasons. I went to get out of town. I went and worked out twice a day. Went to class six hours of counseling all every day. But when I got out, I looked at my uncle who picked me up. I was like, man, eh, I'm not done drinking. Like, what kind of attitude is that? I was like, I'm not done drinking forever because I still had that glimpse of hope where i could hold on to it because i kept thinking that i'm not normal because i can't drink because i can't be like everybody else have one and put it down so then i got out my son was born a month after he was two months after three months after he was born i'm back hitting the ball again so three months after that she left me you know it was the right decision But I went down that rabbit hole. And then I started becoming suicidal for six straight years. And that's when I became the organ donor and stuff like that. You know, I went went back to rehab for the second time. But I went with my why and the anchor. And I figured out the how. But there's something called the pink cloud. It's when, you know, you come out of rehab, you feel great. You're like, I just went to rehab. I'm sober three months. You know, I, I have everything under control. Boom, I didn't. So, after three months um, of being out, I had my son and I went upstairs. I was living on my mom's basement. I'm like, Mom, you need to take my kid because I didn't drink when I had my kid. For the three years that we were broken up, I think I drank three, th- maybe three times, but I, we were with people. Like I was at a wedding or like I had somebody take care of my kid. But when it was just me and him, I, I refused to drink, but I gave him to my mom. I'm like, Mom, I, I need to drink because I didn't know what to do. Like, my, my thoughts were racing so bad. I'm like, what do I do? Well, I'm alcohol. You know, it's going to calm me down, and then I went back down that rabbit hole again. But then on January fourth, twenty nineteen, I finally got my mom to take me to the hospital. I'm like, "Listen, you need to take me to the hospital." So I'll come. Just take me. So we get to the hospital, they put us in this room, and I have my mom, my dad to my left. I have my mom in front of me, and a counselor to the right. And I straight up said, "I'm listen. Like I have a plan. That plan is to end it. I don't. I don't want to die, but I, I can't do this anymore." Like I tried to tell the people like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, it feels like if you're a parent, you have your kid is choking and it's like, you can't grab that out of their, out of their throat. And you just slowly watch them die. It's, that's what it felt like. And it's, I was just ready. I I was just over it. I just, I couldn't live like that anymore. But on that day I finally committed to making myself better. And that's kind of how two months after that, I went and spoke at my first school, and I'm like, "Wow, this I could really make an impact." So When I get up and I speak, it's people are looking at me and they're listening to what I'm saying, and you know, that was a good feeling. It helps me just as much as it helped them. So then I was like, "You know what? Oh, this so is what I want to do in life, and I got to chase it." But a little bit along the way, I started to kind of lose my why and neglect myself here to where I'm like, "You know what?" I got to get back to that because it was, it was two, just over two and a half years ago where I I was ready to go. It's not that long ago. So I I had to remind myself, Hey, listen, you got the tools got to use them. Yeah.
0: And, and I think that's what so much of us like learning. And when you're talking about the action part, that's the part that I think a lot of us don't utilize. You know, it's not lack of knowledge. It's, it's lack of moving forward because we're insecure or unsure. And it's like, take a chance. You're worth it and find out, does that action get you where you want? If it doesn't find a different action, you know, it's like, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of routes to get to health. Just as there's, there's lots of routes to go downhill, um, but <laughs> yeah. you I mean, it's like my addiction, you know, people look at it and go, video game addiction is not that bad. Guess what? Exactly. And that's where I'm like, it's usually coming from somebody that is addicted themselves to it. And the thing is, it's like, man, I was checking out over 12 hours a day. And so I wasn't engaged with my family. I was just honestly I would play the game, knowing the results that would give me a hit because I'm able to complete something successfully. So it gives me a feeling of completion, but the baseline logic was I'm wanting to data pass, hoping that tomorrow is going to be different and I'm not taking any action like we've talked about. So what do you think the result is the next day? It's almost like groundhog day. It's the same yeah. thing. <laughs> no doubt. Huh? Well, and- The guilt and shame, right? Yes. It compounds.
1: I would like to think, I would almost say most most addicts know what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. And they feel a bit bit of the guilt and shame. It's just guilt and shame starts to wear off because it's like, this makes me feel better. But, you know, I used to work at a casino. I bartended at a casino. And they did a study at Harvard, I think, that playing slots... Is the same thing as doing cocaine. If you're yeah. now to a slot, it's the same kind of hit in the brain as doing cocaine. And when I went to, I would partner up with a drug and alcohol counselor, youth drug and alcohol counselor in my hometown. We played this Jeopardy game and the end Jeopardy game question was, what is the worst drug to be addicted to? Mm. And the answer, people would be alcohol, you know, cocaine, heroin. The answer is your DOC, your drug of choice. Cause okay. when it becomes a problem with your family, with your job, with your life, doesn't matter what it is, if it's taking away from all of that other stuff, whether it's shopping, sex, social media, drugs, alcohol, gaming, gambling, you know what, if it's starting to take away from your livelihood, that is your DLC, your drug of choice. And that is the worst thing to be addicted to because you may be able to have a cigarette and have one, you know, you may be able to have a beer and have one. But if you're playing video games 12 hours a day and it's taken away, well, that's your drug of choice. And that's the worst thing to be addicted to.
0: Yeah. And it's one thing that, that, I mean, I can look at it now and I knew like people would invite me, Hey, come to this baseball game or just come out and, you know let's have a drink and eat wings you know you know at the sports place and let's just get out i knew i needed that but i didn't want to do it because it was one of those of my validation was coming from activities i'm doing within the game and so it was like it's letting go of your addiction to do what you you know is healthy for you and at that point you know you're a captive but who wants to admit that they're in a prison? You know, your, your, your power has been given away. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, an addiction is an addiction, regardless of what it is. Some people are addicted to the drugs and the activities that we've talked about. Some people are addicted to, to you know, like golf or work or whatever. It's, it's a place that you find your validation at the expense of something else. And, you know, it's like, we all know people that, that do that. Now, whether we call it that, you know, sometimes we don't, but if it's costing somebody else and it's costing you as well, then it's not healthy. And that's the ultimate thing we have to look at. So Mm -hmm. how have you, how have you come about realizing, Hey, I need to do the journaling. I need to do, you know, these activities and, and you've mentioned books a number of times, like, how are you picking out activities and books that, you know, expand you and support you in this transition of, of keeping yourself on a, on a path that's elevating you?
1: Well, I know what worked for me in the beginning. But one of the things I actually did too was I started listening to podcasts um, of men who struggled. Hmm. And, you know, podcasts are a big help for me. And But they talk about these books that they would read. So now it's it's books on growth, on where do I want to go? But right right now I'm listening to a book by Dr. Gabor Maté, who is a psychologist, addiction advocate in, in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Like one of the biggest, I think he might be one of the biggest ones in the world. Like He is very known, but it's in the realm of hungry ghosts. And it talks about addiction and what causes it. And it's usually the pain that's hidden underneath. So it, it's it's recognizing that, okay, this is my pain is coming from this addiction is coming from where somewhere, but where is it coming from? But I go back to what helped me in the beginning. What have I learned along the ways? What has worked for other people? Just try it, try everything, you know, like, like I said, and there's rehab AA and all these other things. You find out what works for you. And I, I'm going back to what worked for me. And if I have to find other, other ways, other coping mechanisms that I will look for those as well. But, you know, listening to audible books, motivational speaking, uh, podcasts, people like who were like me struggling, listening to what they did to overcome it. It's putting them all together, you know, it's, and trying something different.
0: Gotcha. And so as you go through like the exercise from this book and you're looking back at your past, how are you discerning You know, if, if you've got somebody that picks up the book and they start looking at their past to decide, Hey, where's my addiction grounded in? Like what's fueling it? How, how are you going through that to say, yeah, this is it. No, that's not like, what's the process for that?
1: Uh, You know what? I like to say, why, 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 why? So when I went to rehab, instead of quitting drinking, why do I drink? Well, I drank for self-confidence. Well, why would I drink for self-confidence? Well, I had very little confidence growing up. I compared myself a lot. Well, why did I do that? Well, I was very insecure. And so I just kept asking myself, why, why, why? And I found that. This is what drinking did for me. These are the needs that it actually fulfilled. So I'm doing a Tony Robbins life coaching course. And he talks about the six needs. There's significance, love and connections, growth, contribution. Why am I missing? I'm missing two. Oh, shoot.
0: Security, I think is one. Oh, oh,
1: yeah. Variety and uncertainty. But if if something meets four of those needs, it becomes an addiction. So, drinking gave me that love and connection, the variety, it gave me the certainty, and, and it gave me significance because it made me feel confident, right? It almost made me, it almost gave me all six, the growth and the contribution, because I would actually go out and talk to people, right? And, you know, meet, I'd make new friends in the growth. So, alcohol gave me, met all those needs for me. So, I'll, so I was like, And, you know, it it makes sense is all behaviors belief or need driven, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going back to the why. So if you have a problem, figure out the why and keep asking yourself, okay, well, why do you? So this is why I'm doing that. Okay, well, why are you doing that? So what led to that? So what led to that? And then you keep going on rewind until you figure out. And that's what, you know, a counselor can do really good can be very good for you but if you if you recognize something you go to the three a's admit the problem and you gotta accept it and then you can ask for help but you can also question it question why do i feel like this well why do i feel like that well why do i feel like that just keep going until you till you're confident that that could be the answer And then you can get the help for that
0: or you can tackle it yourself it's almost like being a two-year-old. <laughs> just dig, 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 dig. Like, why, <laughs> dig, dig, why, dig. why? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm out of that. I'm out of that stage right now with the five-year-old. He's turning six, but yeah, why? But why?
0: Because yeah, like, I just, said so. Don't don't pick up the temper tantrum aspect from it. It's like just take the the curiosity inquisitive component and you know keep walking backwards. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin, dude, I really appreciate. Everything you've shared, the journey that you've gone through, the transparency that you've sh- you've shown and shared, like, hey, this is where I'm at. I've taken a step back, even though it's like your purpose and your, your your long-term objective is to, you know, get back into coaching and help people grow. You're taking a step back to fortify and strengthen yourself first, knowing that, that we're the foundation, whether we're coaching, whether we're dad, you know worker, you know, whatever we are, that if we're not in a good place, like you talked about, we can't give, you know, as much as we need. We're giving a sliver of what's possible. Justin, thank you. How can people Reach out and connect
1: with you. Me. can go to my website www.justinbryan.com. That's B R I E N. Uh, you can, you know, if you want it, just email me justin at justinbryan.com. I'd like to hear from you, see what you thought about the the episode. Just hear your thoughts. What are you doing? What are you struggling with right now? Just let me know. I'd like to hear from it. Justin JustinBryan19 on Instagram or just Justin Bryan on Facebook. I turn my personal one into my more professional one. I like to just basically put content out. Um, you'll see the odd one in my family. I, haven't, I usually do content every day, but I haven't really been doing much, just kind of taking a breather from it. But I'd love to hear from you.
0: I'm like, you've been doing a lot. It's just not online.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's I, it's, family like focused. I said, in the beginning, yeah, I've been busy, but like I said in the beginning, I took a look at who I wanted to be and where I'm going. And I'm like, I'm only at 50% right now. My 50% You know, I can still help people with the knowledge I have, Yeah, but am I really serving them the way I want to serve them if I'm not at 90 to a hundred? Yeah. Not the way I want to serve them.
0: And and it's one of those of we first need to serve at home, you know, and you know, as far as your family and everything like that. And it's like, right now, I would imagine there's more of a draw and a, a need for support from you even in that aspect of life. So yeah, I mean, I look at what you're doing as as wisdom in pulling back and go, I need to invest in me and focus on my family and then, you know, go from there. So yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you again, Justin.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You got it, my friend. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. Helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.